Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. If you guys are following along, we are reading uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 today, verses 1 through 16. Uh, It'll be on the screen. You can turn there in your own Bible as well. Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in to our passage. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but that we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi. As you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity, or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor the pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are a witness, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you now know, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, and drove us out and displeased God, and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. I think just by means of introduction, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. We've been in First Thessalonians for a couple of weeks. And Matt's been kind of prefacing this, this series by just a few big questions that were asked this, this letter. So the first one is, is it possible for the Christian faith to survive and even thrive in a world that's indifferent at best and hostile at worst to our faith? And what does such a faith look like at home, at work, and other places where Christ people find themselves? And lastly, what, what kind of church does it take to sustain that vision? So that's kind of the overview of what we're considering um, as we look at these, these words together. And, and this morning, in today's reading, we're really going to focus on some of the conceptions of the Christian faith that Paul identifies, and I, I think we still deal with today. Uh, some think that Christians are just seeking money, seeking glory, maybe attempting to deceive or are perhaps naive or mistaken in our pursuits of faith. Uh, and, and I think sometimes when these claims are made against us Christians, it's unfair. Like we saw in the passage today in Paul and the Apostles' case, these, these sorts of claims are baseless. And uh, when this happens, it can be easy to want to defend ourselves. You know, how can they call us selfish or attention-seeking for the things we're doing by the, the work that God's doing in us? Uh, they, don't, they don't know what our faith is about. But uh, unfortunately, there are cases maybe where these claims are true throughout the church history where uh, we actually are fairly corrected and sometimes as we know Christians sin like everybody else and perhaps our motivations aren't always as they should be and oftentimes our motivations 
purpose without us even realizing it. Uh, and this is something I've actually been sitting with a little bit recently. I, I've been taking different and kind of meditating on them over the times uh, in the last recent weeks. And this past week has been the discipline of secrecy, which when I first kind of approached it, I wasn't familiar with it. And I thought, well, this is easy to do things and don't talk about it. Like, what I can keep secrets, you know, it's easy. But the longer I sat with it, the more it seeped into it started to make me question everything I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And it's been a really convicting um, week of just trying to learn what are the motivations of my heart. Uh, and I, I would just say that it's left me with a question that I ask myself. Um, it, it, is it okay if this stays between me and God? Would I, would I do this, this work with the same vigor, with the same enthusiasm, if nobody ever saw it? If no fruits were ever seen by another human, would I still engage the same way? And that's been a challenging question for myself to answer this week. Uh, recognition and praise can be powerful motivators. Uh, times when we'll probably be tempted to do good things because we'll be seen and recognized, and, and ego can easily sneak its way good works. I'll turn our attention to a sport. Do we have sports fans here? I know there's a, I know there's a bunch. So for those <laughs> sports fans, allow me to introduce a character. So, uh, an athlete has been in the news recently, not because of things he's done on the field, but because a documentary was recently released about his life. And I'm talking about Johnny Manziel. You may know him as Johnny Football, or you may not know him at all, but I will give you background if you don't. Uh, so it's a, it's a fascinating story. He came onto the scene as a, a freshman in college at Texas A&M and just took over college football. He was exciting. He lifted his team to levels they hadn't seen in a long time, and uh, everybody was just like uh, in awe of his talents. So he ended up being the youngest player. He was a freshman. He won the Heisman trophy, which is the most prestigious award you can get in college football, uh, is an 18-year-old freshman kid, like just astounding. Uh, and, and he went on to become a first-round pick in the NFL draft, uh, which is just a huge accomplishment. Uh, so he promised to bring the same talent, energy, and spark to the Cleveland Browns and lead them to football glory. If you're following sports, you know that did not happen. <laughs> so uh, where did this go wrong? I, what, we, what we've learned is, and it became clear in the documentary that was just released about his life, his motivations just were not aligned with where people thought they were. He was far more interested in what football would give him, the fame, the money, the status, than, than he was in winning or leading his team to success. Uh, and, and while his natural abilities carried him all the way to a first round pick in the NFL, his motivations finally surfaced in his actions and it became clear that he was and his career crumbled and he was released just two seasons later. So I think when, when we think of a, an example like that, like selfish motivations, even though they may seem to produce good results on the outside for a time, will ultimately come through in our actions. Uh, in the context of a Christian life, keep people from seeing the gospel clearly. Uh, the motivations behind our actions are critical. So how, how do we begin? How do we work to learn and correct our actions? Well, our passage in 1 Thessalonians gives us uh, an answer. I, become imitators of Christ. 
the entirety of Jesus' life makes it clear he never did what he did. Your status, he loved all those things in order to share the gospel clearly. He lives out the principle stated in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Uh, and we see Jesus' time fasting in the desert. He was given the opportunity all of these things, power, glory, luxuries of the earth, but he was watching, but he held fast to his motivations, and it showed in his actions. Uh, uh, familiar with by basketball coach John Wooden, it's just a convicting reminder for all of us that the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. But e even when our own motivations fail, we can look to Jesus. The more we look for us selflessly, the more we see how undeserving we are of the wonderful gift of salvation he's given to us. This is where we start to solve the problem of our misaligned motivations. We'll fail. We'll be tempted to desire things um, that, that are not aligned with God's kingdom. Uh, but we can become better at noticing We can start to uh, correct that the more we're aware motivations that are driving our actions in our hearts. And when we look at Paul, we can see how, how does he do this in, in our reading this morning. He was an influencer. He could have spent his time in Thessalonica demanding attention, obedience, respect, whether it was rightly deserved or not, but instead he takes on the role of a servant. Uh, let's just look at some of the examples in the text this morning. He says, we, we were gentle among you. We were ready to share with you not only the of God, but also our own selves, because you become very dear to us. Again, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Holy and righteous stuck towards you, and we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And these are all things that Christ did during his time on earth. Paul was imitating Jesus. So uh, how might being an imitator of Jesus solve accusations against our faith that are actually unfair? It, it, it might be a little different than what we would expect. We might expect that imitating Christ would inevitably lead to just silencing all of those claims against us. But Paul doesn't really say that. In fact, he even says that one of the reasons the Thessalonians are imitating Christ is because they're suffering accusations, and, and Jesus' accusations were obviously false, and he was um, the perfect human. So uh, there'll be times we're challenged, even when we are acting out of pure motives. God knows that, and, and he will ultimately handle it. And though he does find in the faith here, Paul and the apostles, notice how the reason Paul imitates Christ is not to justify himself, but to please the God who tests Self-dependence, uh, his self-worth is not dependent on how others view him. It's dependent on how God views him. No, suffering is never something Christians desire. His, his motivation is not to remove the suffering or the accusations against him. It's to share the gospel, please God, and lead others to him. So Paul employ a couple themes about throughout First Thessalonians. Holiness and hope. He dedicated holiness their motivations 
hotspots, living according to the gospel, sharing it uh, with the world in a way that God intended. And when they meet inevitable suffering because of this, they turn to hope and they hold on to that unbreakable hope their efforts and make things right one day. I'll, I'll just leave us with an example of how this can play out in the church. Uh, the, the early church lived through just some really devastating plagues that killed large, large numbers in the Roman Empire. And there's uh, letters from a time period that document um, that Christians were the one people group that would consistently step in, risk possessions and health to, to help the sick. And, and one historian writes this, all day long, some of them, the Christians, tended to the dying and to their burial, countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city in a multitude famine and distributed bread to them all. Uh, these Christians were imitators of Christ. They put their motivation in the right place. They didn't care for the needy for the sake of attention. They were risking their very lives to care for these people were outsiders to them and share the gospel with them. There were still voices speaking out against them. Just using the plague as an opportunity to gain power through conversions. Uh, others at the time thought that Christians were perhaps the cause of refusing to worship pagans, that the plagues were punishment um, brought down. So uh, you can see that, you know, even though they were acting right, they were still being um, misconceived by outsiders. And regardless of saying the Christians did not forsake holiness and hope, they left vindication to God and aligned their own motivations with the gospel. And the results were just a beautiful picture of God's work in the world. So as we consider these themes here this morning, I, I just want to take a moment to, to pray over our church as we close. So Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.